It's our show, Christy. We can do whatever we want. Let's show them how to do life. Season three! Oh, boy. Here it comes. Even though we've done this show like 250 times, I still have no idea what I'm talking about. We may not know what we're doing, but we're having fun. <laughs> I was born for this. I was born for this. The only way the I only deserve. Way I deserve. This is How this to Do Life. How to Do Life. Hey, Pretties, it's Chrissy. And it's Heather. And here's producer John. To hype the crowd! Just a quick warning. How to Do Life with Chrissy and Heather contains elements of real life, nostalgia, silliness, deep thinking, and other nonsense and whatnot. If you are adverse to any of these ingredients, this show may not be for you. So be sure to talk to your doctor and all your friends about How to Do Life. Let's get into it. Hello, Heather. Happy Friday, February 19th, 2021. Yay! Yay! Um, <laughs> Valentine's Day was last Sunday. It was awesome. Uh, I hope you had a great time with your sweetheart or your pals or your kids or yourself or whoever was lucky enough to be your Valentine. I hope it was special <laughs> all that time ago. I was with my family on vacation and my sister-in-law does big time holidays and so yeah. we had heart-shaped waffles oh and decorations and i had some of maddie rose wife's um delicious cookies did you did you get those macarons those yes. pink ones really yeah and oh, i had a whole variety to share with my family jealous. so we were yeah. just talking about those uh Two weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, when I was in with uh, Maddie, we were talking about those cookies. Yeah. And they he was saying that um, they have to be perfect, you know, uh, like, so if they crack on the top, then she can't use those. So and he, so he he has to eat those. Oh, well, poor, poor guy. <laughs> poor guy. What a rough <laughs> sure life, right? It's really difficult for him. Very difficult. <laughs> well, guess what today is, Heather? Is it book club day? It's book club day. Have you read this book? OMG, it's fantastic. Yes, I couldn't put it down. Did you read the part where... (gasps) I know. Grab your coffee and highlighter. It's time for the How to Do Book Club Review. How to Do Book Club Review. Today is book club day. We'll be talking about David Sedaris's Calypso, which I hope you have had a chance to read. As you know by now, it is a collection of short stories. Mm -hmm. Some of them are hilarious. Yeah. Some of them are sad. Yeah. Most of them are both. Mm-hmm. What were your general impressions of this book, Heather? I loved it. I Well, I love David Sedaris, so I um, I knew I was going to like it. Um, and it reminded me of um, just how much I enjoy short stories. Mm-hmm. And it inspired me to try writing some more short stories right. because I forget that that's a thing to do that you can do. Um, but I loved it. I really did enjoy learning more about the dynamics of his family, mm-hmm. um, especially because I'm also a fan of his sister, mm-hmm. Amy. And, um, and I've been to Emerald Isle, um, right. you know, mm-hmm. and so I could, I could picture a lot of the places where, where they were. Yeah. Um, I felt the same way. I, I do think that when you read a certain type of story, like you read a short story, you read something comedy, you know, um, that it does as a writer, it, it sparks, you know, I, I tend to, when I write, kind of emulate a little bit whoever I'm reading at the time. So yeah, I, I can, I can see mm-hmm. that definitely. And, and I love the family aspect of it as well. Yeah. It's, it's just good storytelling, like, 
what you have in your family, like the vacation that you were just on. You know, it's just those moments where you get together and you gather, and that's where family history comes from. That's where family lore comes from, which I think is really neat. Mm -hmm. I got some of our questions today from a reading group at Texas Tech. So shout out to the Humanities Center there for these themes. I doctored the questions up to my own liking, just like I did with Oprah's, because I like my questions and I like the way that I like to do them. (laughs) So the first one that we're going to start with is about the family aspect of this book. This book is about family, right? It's a collection of family stories. Thinking about your own family What do you call those things? Do you call them stories? Do you call them memories, tales, folklore, something else? Oh, gosh. Um, Stories, probably. Memories. Um, But mostly stories. Um, And, yeah, because we have, you know, reading reading the stories of his family in Calypso um, did make me think about the stories from my family. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there, I do like the idea of lore, but I think of lore as being more um, old stories, you know, and most of the stories that I like stories of people that I have not met, but the stories of my immediate family are just stories. Yeah, I think that sometimes they are stories. They are memories. I think that sometimes, though, it's uh, you got to argue it out how it happened. You know, you yeah. gotta, like like your version of uh-huh. it and your sister's version <laughs> of it might, might be different. And it, they might change over time. Your own version might change over mm-hmm. time, you know, or, you know, your dad might step in and say, that's not how it happened. Right. You know, and, and that makes it really fun. That makes it, you know, a really interactive thing and a real bonding thing. Yeah. I think that, ma- that makes it that makes it pretty fun. You know, I like that idea of it's almost family folklore. You know what I mean? Like you've heard this story so many times uh, that... Now it's that way, you know, Mm kind of like, you know, like your dad with a big fish story, you know, like that fish gets bigger and bigger and bigger Uh every, every year, you know, and, and I just think that that is a really fun aspect of it. I think that that's a really cool part of this book. Does, do the stories remind you of feelings from your own family and friends and like in what way or how not? I think that I was a bit envious of of him and the um, real closeness that he had with his family, especially in um, the story about his sister. um, Tiffany. Tiffany. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the the part that you referenced in an earlier um, episode of their family being like a club Mm -hmm. and um, and him not being able to understand why anyone would ever want to leave the club. Right. And I, I think I was a little bit envious of that because my family is, you know, we... We have a great time together and, uh, you know, and we laugh and we have great stories and great experiences, um, you know, but I, I've never really felt like part of the club. You know, I've always felt like a bit of an outsider. It's interesting because almost at some points during this book, I feel like David Sedaris feels that way about his own family. Like he's reporting out on what's happening. Like, But there are moments in this book where he talks about walking away from the family or not knowing how to engage with his father or, you know, like being jealous of his sister and her easy way in doing Mm -hmm. that you know so so I think that it it made it really human and really reminded me of stories and feelings with my family and friends like we my family you know it's fierce loyalty loads of humor unwavering affection despite disagreement you know and and I feel like that really comes through in this book too they all celebrate one another's quirks Mm -hmm. So well, yeah. and I think that that 
is is a really neat part of the family. One of my favorite sections of the book is he was talking about his mother, and he was like, if we had all had, if she had started off clean every morning and we'd all had ink on our fingers, she would be black every night because we just wanted to touch her. We just wanted to be all over her. We were just, you know, like, and I, I feel like my children are like that with me. And, and I feel like my family, you know, is kind of like my kids, the, uh, just the other day, you know, one came and laid on me and then the other one came and we had kind of a pile up. And I, and I said, do you guys do this at daddy's house? And they were like, no. Like, like the, it wasn't like, no, but we wish we did or anything. It was like, what, why would we ever yeah, it's just even consider way. that at daddy's house? Do you yeah. know what I mean? They're like, this is, this is our house. You are our mother, you know, like, and it's a such a big responsibility to be seen so wonderfully in someone's eyes. You know, like my kids look at me like I am amazing. You know, like they they and, and I look at them like they're amazing too. We just have a real, real affection for each other that like we think that each other are the shit, you know? And it, I really like how that came through in this family and in their stories too. And they're weird. And like they celebrate their weirdness, yeah. you know? I also thought it was interesting how he um he says some details about people in his life that I'm like, I don't know if people in my life would be happy for me to write about that. Mm. Like, you know, like toward the end of the book when he's talking about his father aging and crawling around on his hands and knees and, you know, like just trying to stay alive and his dad's a hoarder and his, like and all these things are happening and I'm like I wonder if his dad is so old that he didn't read this I wonder how like you know what I mean like I was thinking that some things I wonder how much he like clears with his family how much he you know because yeah that takes a special family bond too to be comfortable sharing your story oh for sure absolutely I mean I know that um I I was assuming that he must mm-hmm. because he seems to have um, a good deal of respect for you know, for the people in his family, and I would mm-hmm. don't think that he would he would share details about their lives that without clearing it with them. I know that, like for myself, for this show that we do, and for things that I write, um, I have one sibling who is like, I don't care, whatever you know, whatever we talk about um, is fine to share, and I have another sister who's like, I you know prefer to be a little more private, and I share anecdotes differently mm-hmm. you know yeah. um because of that because yeah. I, I, I do think that you have to you know be really mindful of other people when you write personal essay like this when, absolutely you know when, when that's kind of your your shtick you know? when you were talking about um their relationship with their mom it was a reminder to me that i i never think about the fact that my children are observing me Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he was reflecting back on his mom and, and what he observed about her and how she would participate in conversations and how she would um, you know, help them learn about storytelling and things like that. And I think that I get so caught up in the business of running the house and of raising kids that I, um, I feel true to myself and who I am. But I forget that they are watching mm-hmm. and that they are observing me and they have opinions about me and they have observations about me and I don't know what they are I don't know what if they if they had to describe me to somebody I have no idea what they would say and I forget and and so it makes me curious like huh I wonder who they think I am right I do think that like 
my children, I have two children, and those two people know me in a different way than anybody else will ever know me. And the only people that I need to impress, like it, as mom, you know what I mean, is them. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody else thinks of my mothering. I hope that they right. have nice things to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's pretty much what it comes back to, right? Speaking of stories, sharing things with our family and friends, I'd like to remind our listeners that Monday mornings around 9.45 a.m., you can catch us on the Facebook Live at How to Do Life with Chrissy and Heather. During the show, send us your comments on what we're talking about. And when the show ends, we just might comment back to you. One of our 2021 goals is to be more engaged with you, our listeners. And this is one way that we are able to do that. So tune in Mondays on the Facebook Live for behind-the-scenes content and a chance to chat with us. And this is a great episode to do that for because, you know, it's all about this book. Mm -hmm. It's all about this really fun, interesting book that we got to uh, dive into. What were a couple of uh, your favorite stories in this book or what stories particularly spoke to you? I really enjoyed I'm Still Standing um, when he got sick on tour. Oh, yeah. Because that... You would, because that one's all about poop. (laughs) You like the poop ones. No, I don't. But I I had a similar experience where I was... I had to go on a business trip and I got really, really sick. And I had, like, stomach cramps and horribleness. And I just... When I was reading about that, I thought, oh, my gosh, I remember how miserable that was. It can be really, really tough. Yeah, Yeah. it was horrible. Um, And then I also really enjoyed... I, I, I didn't enjoy... But I um, couldn't believe that he, in sorry, mm-hmm. there were elements of, of that that I really enjoyed because um, I enjoyed hearing about the family dynamics. But I could not believe that he fed his tumor to a turtle. That one was interesting. <laughs> right, yeah. That he had it cut out specifically so that he could keep it so that he could feed it to a turtle. And he didn't get to feed it to the turtle he wanted to. But he still got to feed it I to couldn't a believe it. I could not believe it. I was like, I couldn't believe he actually did it. Yeah. Blew I, my mind. I think that's crazy. I that's, think that's great. Yeah. I, I mean, owning your, your weird <laughs> and your own thing. <laughs> I, liked, uh, I liked the one about the fox. Because um, yeah. I love foxes, as you know. Fox is like my favorite yeah. animal. And it was about um, England, too. And I'm a big fan of England. You know, And, and I liked... Um, Leviathan, mm-hmm. which I had to ask you how we thought we said that word. I'm still not sure um, we're saying it, but I, but I, I, that sounds right to me. Maybe David Sedaris can call us up and tell us if we did it right or not. Um, but I like the very final paragraph of it. Mm-hmm. It says, while I know I can't control it, what I ultimately hope to recall about my late in life father is not his nagging or his toes, but rather his fingers, the way he snaps them them when listening to jazz he's done it forever signifying as much as a cat does by purring that you may approach that is all right with the world man oh man he'll say in my memory lifting his glass and taking us all in isn't this just fantastic Mm -hmm. and i think throughout the whole book he talks about like his dad uses the word fantastic over Mm -hmm. and over and over again and i love that thoughtfulness of how am I going to try to remember this person? You know, like he's getting up there in years. What are the nuggets that I want to take from this? What's the wisdom that I want to try to pull? And, you know, he notes we don't get to pick. Like Mm -hmm. stuff that sticks just sticks sometimes. And you don't, it's not what you planned to stick, you know. But I think trying to think about those moments, you know, like when they listened to jazz together was the only time that they really connected. Yeah. And so I thought that was just really, really a neat story and really beautiful. I liked that. 
I remember reading that also and thinking, I can still do this. You know, like I, you know, both of my parents are still with me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I realize I still have this chance to, you know, to to get to know them and to observe them and to interact with them. And I don't want to, I don't want to squander that. Yeah. Um, I like, there was a section in there where he was talking about that he misses his mom most when he is thinking about what she would think of something new or like what her opinion would be of something that she doesn't know anything about. And I share those feelings. I think that people who have been through the loss of a parent like that, that is when it is most, you know, icky i guess mm-hmm. you know yeah. and, and i thought that was a, a really nice sentiment you know to share that it's kind of a like even though this is very specific about his family it's really commenting on just the human experience and that's why people like it because it's so accessible you know which i think is really cool this book is centered around death and mortality but it's also humorous right mm-hmm. how well do you think he achieves this balance and why do you think he chose to interject humor in these heavy things oh gosh you know i don't know that he can i don't know that he could write something that didn't inject humor right yeah i think it's just part of how he writes and how he sees the world Mm -hmm. and i think that sometimes with with him i'm not sure whether i'm just finding his perception to be humorous because of my sense of humor or if he is purposely presenting it in a um, pithy way right. that is humorous even then he's pretending that he's not trying to be funny right you yeah. know mm-hmm. and regardless I'm amused by it right you know and, and I think that it helps humanize yeah those events and and helps uh, helps them become a lot more relatable my advice to people whenever a friend suffers a loss, my advice to them is always the same and it's always look for the humor. Like, I think I've told the story before of when my dad died and somebody gave us a blanket like (laughs) with an angel on it and it looked like Angelina Jolie. (laughs) And it it, is like a running joke in our family about the Angelina Jolie blanket. And it wasn't even really that funny, you know, but it's a way to connect and it's a way to kind of stay sane and afloat, you know. It's Mm -hmm. a way to find a path forward. And in some ways it's even like a way to honor what was lost you know because the the person that you lost or the like they probably you know when he's thinking about his mother she seems like she was a pretty funny Mm -hmm. funny broad you know and she probably wouldn't want them you know being too serious about all of it you know Uh, you got to look for those moments of humor sometimes it's the only way to make it through something yeah yeah i agree the C section is basically a character in this book, <laughs> right? It's it's the house, the name of the house. Yeah, I love that. On Emerald Island is the C section, S E A, right? Mm-hmm. It is a home, but it's not. Do you have places in your life that are like a character in your life, or do you have a place that is home like but not a home? And what does that place mean to you? Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, I think that um, Chicago is like that for me. Mm. You know, I grew up going to Chicago every summer. And I have never lived there, mm-hmm. but I consider it to be a home. Um, I feel connected to it. I right. feel at mm-hmm. home there. Um, and there's, you know, there are things and places, things that we do in places that we go that feel as familiar to me at, in a very personal way. Like I have a personal relationship with that place, mm-hmm. even though I have no ownership of it. Right. You know, I have, you know, there are other people who have had, you know, who have 
have many more experiences there than I have who are just as. But it's still personal. But it's still yeah. personal. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I think I think Chicago is that way for me. I think that um, actually Chicago is a little bit that way for me too, which is which is kind of fun just in the last five years or so because I go there four or five times a year for work. Um, and I know one section of downtown real well, mm-hmm. you know, and all the fun stuff to do and certain parks and and whatnot. But it made me think about this question made me think about our dream show. Like sometimes um, anything that's going to be a family dream or that's going to involve my parents is probably going to be set in the house I grew up in in Ohio. You know, so Mm -hmm. there are certain places that almost are a character in your life and they personify childhood or they personify when you were married for me, you know, or they personify like different things that, you know, the, the place kind of was a character in in the broader setting, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you're right about that. I think a childhood home, um, you know, definitely can be that way. And I think that sometimes those places talk to us also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a house. Um, it was the last house that I lived in with my ex-husband. But when we moved into that house, we were already on pretty rocky territory. Mm. And I started dating someone else. And when I think of that house, I think of it as, me and the boyfriend's house. Like, I don't really have any memories in that home with my ex-husband, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's the house that he still lives in. So he has a totally different um, feeling about this home. And it for him probably is, you know, the place where he lives with his girlfriend, the place where he, you know, like, like for him, it's very, very different. But for me, that house was, you know, a very different experience than, Mm -hmm. than for him. And sometimes it surprises me that he stayed in that place that, you know, I picked all the paint colors and Mm -hmm. I like, you know, chose the countertops and whatnot. Sometimes it surprises me, but he's obviously successfully transitioned so that it's his house, you know? Um, But I have a really different, like, it's a different character in in my memory, Uh you know, and in my mind, which I think is kind of neat. How much of what Sedaris writes do you think is capital T true versus lowercase t true? And do you know what I mean by that? Like... Is this the actual factual way that it happened or is this like my version of some kind of truth, you know, and does it matter, <laughs> you know? Well, you know, I, I don't know if it matters. Well, okay, I guess I'll answer it this way. I think it's lower T true because it is, he's writing a story for our amusement or our thought provocation. And so he is arranging situations and events in such a way that they will flow well on the page that they'll transition well and mm-hmm. they'll make sense to the reader right and he probably has taken into consideration his family like his sisters and brothers um you know feelings about what he's sharing and i know that times that i write personal things um you know there's some little t because i'm not going to be just share intimate details of somebody's life but i need to just get the point across right and so i think it's probably little t mm-hmm. um but i think I don't there know. has to be some kind of little t for the way that it's all woven together as right. well you know that like the stories a story from early in the book a piece of it is referenced later in the book. And there has to be ways that that makes sense. He Mm -hmm. has to tease out this section of, yes, all of that happened on the same day, but this section of it goes in that story and this section of it goes over here. And that's a writer's prerogative kind of, you know? Like turning a book into a movie. Right, exactly, yeah. 
How much do you think is capital T true versus lowercase t true in your own family's lore and in those stories that you tell and in those things that are repeated over and over again? Well, in that case, you have to consider the source because, you know, we I think that the way that my sister would describe um, an event happening and the way that I would describe an event happening is we're seeing it through our own lens. Mm -hmm. And I think that we also are very careful to um, put each other in a good light. Right. And to not, you know, we our personal the way that we felt about an event when it was happening we probably feel differently now right. that we've mellowed. You know, we may have been angry at the time, but and now, now we don't funny. care as yeah. much. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's a lot of little T. And I think that the big T stays inside of us. Yeah, I, I, can, I can see that. Yeah. I think that those stories are about the feelings that the story produces. You know, the arguments about how it really went become part of the folklore of your family. No, yeah. that was not it. You right. know, and then you argue with your, your sibling about it and mm-hmm. you kind of go back and forth. Or learning a new piece of that story, that story that you've told a hundred times and then you tell it in front of your sister and she's like actually right it wasn't dad who said that it was you know mm-hmm. like and uh so it's, it's funny that we remember things differently yeah. and that we get to you know arguing those things out kind of make the folklore mm-hmm. you know and then you get to have the same argument every time you guys get together right. and tell the story which is kind of fun yeah you know it's kind of classic storytelling it's classic passing down from generation to generation in a family you know and I feel like reading David Sedaris is like being invited into his home for Thanksgiving, you know, mm-hmm. and I had a wonderful wild time there. <laughs> you, know? you know, I feel like it's kind of like being invited to his home for Thanksgiving, but knowing that you're you are not really part of the family. You're not right. in the club. Like not even the uh, people that they're married to are like not, even you know, like yeah. the, the, the club exists. You get to observe it. Yeah. You might get a line or two here, but you're not going to yeah. be part of this team. And then you leave. You know? Yeah. Well, before we sign off here in just a minute, I um, got to tell you what we're, what we're going to do next. I got to tell you about our next book. Our next book? Yes, I got to tell you about our next book. You ready? Yes. All rise for Chrissy's Book Club announcement. The new book. Yes. Well, for, let me let me tell you how I how I chose this book. Okay. Okay. So my sister was watching the Netflix special The Night Stalker. Okay. Which is about a really bad guy who killed a whole bunch of people. Oh. Like super super gross and upsetting. Lovely. And she was thinking, and she asked, you know, like I mean, these children, these serial killers, these bad people, they have parents. And if you were the parent of a Ted Bundy. Would you turn them in? What would you do? You know, like, if this became part of your family's story, how would you handle this? And she was asking me these questions, and I started talking about um, a little boy that I worked with years and years ago in the foster care system. I was in my early 20s, and this little boy's name was Norman. And Norman, I guarantee, is a serial killer right now. Like, this child, he would kill cats and hide them in the couch he um was the sweetest nicest most kind little boy in the world he'd be sitting playing a board game with you and you would say norman what do you want to do when you grow up buddy and he'd be like oh, i'm gonna kill women and bury them in the desert like and that's just his answer this kid was crazy and he had a very troubled life he um lived on the beach under the boardwalk with his dad homeless for a while mm-hmm. he lived um 
with his mother and she forced him to watch like sexual activity between her and partners. This this kid had a really, really, really rough life. He didn't have good parents. But this is a child that for sure, like I would go and I would would work with him and I would do therapy with this kid, you know, um, a few times a week. And I just knew that I was never going to have an impact that was going to make him better. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And around the same time that I worked with that, child i read this book for the first time okay okay our book is called defending jacob okay it came out in 2012 and that's around the time that i first read it and the story has stuck with me all this time because it is so thought-provoking wow so if you had doubts about your child's innocence to a crime would you turn them in would you cover it up for them would you blame yourself would you empathize with the family of the victim how far would you go to protect your own family How much do genetics play into whether we are good or bad? And we're going to explore all of this and way more when we read Defending Jacob. All right. It's a crazy book. It's so good. I don't know if I can handle this. It's so outstanding. Okay. We're going to read it. And we're going to love it. All right. Until next time. Bye. Don't forget to tell them where to find us. Yeah, tell us what you learned. We're on all the things. For those of you looking to increase your dosage, connect with Chrissy and Heather on Facebook and Instagram and tell us how you do life. Visit ChrissyandHeather.com. That's with a C-H-R-Y-S-S-Y. Like, share, and subscribe. And tell everyone you know. Until next time.